2: And welcome back, Exxonation. Great having you back with us, hour number three tonight. And you're listening to us around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our fine family of broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including Radio X throughout Europe. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exxon Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out all about the programming that we have available for you, 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, it's very simple, xzbn.net. You know what? We're going to have a great time this hour because my guest is the one, the only, the sensational Cooch N. Daniels. Now, in my book, How Do You Spell Fun? K-O-O-C-H. How do you spell hilarious? K-O-O-C-H. How do you spell Credible Psychic? K-O-O-C-H. So without further ado, why don't I just bring my special guest on this hour, the one and only Cooch Daniels. And hey, Cooch, welcome back. How are you, dear friend?
3: Oh, well, after an introduction like that, I'm about two feet taller and I'm like floating, but I'm actually doing really well. Thank you. How are you? All
2: right, well, you're the, you're the psychic. You're the intuitive. You tell me.
3: Oh, really? On the air? Sure, go ahead.
2: I've never lied to my listeners.
3: Ah, okay. Going through your psychic centers, trying to connect with your energy right now. And it looks like you'd like to have about four Nubian slaves feeding you grapes and fanning you. Um, But other than that, you're you're doing really well.
2: Hold on. Only four? (laughs)
3: Only four? Well, you know, one for each cardinal direction. Each one would have, like, a different part of you that they'd be caressing. You Couldn't
2: know. I have one for each hour in the day?
3: <laughs> would that be your preference? You wouldn't get tired?
2: Actually, my preference would be double that, but I'd settle for half. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: thought you were married. I am. And she wouldn't mind?
2: I wouldn't do I'm, it. I'm, so I'm looking up
3: plane fares right now <laughs> to come over to your place. Well, I, I, oh,
2: do you um, take PayPal? <laughs> or I'll fire the money over for you. There you go. <laughs> hey, I love you, Cooch. I really love you. You're you're such a, a positive person. And you know what? There's the fun side of Cooch that we all love and adore. But I love the other side of Cooch, the very serious side and the lady who does so much for so many behind the scenes. And for that, my dear friend, you're blessed.
3: You are so sweet. Oh, thank you for your appreciation and that you honor the work that I do. And thank you for honoring the world of the supernatural and the people who are trying to bring light to the planet through their healing abilities. And all these people sometimes are looked down on by society or they're not recognized. So, it's really, really great that, you know, you're putting the spotlight on these kind of people. Well,
2: I'm putting the spotlight on credible people. Mind you, I am putting the spotlight on the charlatans that I expose. Oh. And, yeah. You see, you're, you're a good guy, so you've never seen the other side where I actually expose so-called intuitive, so-called ghost hunters, so-called paranormal investigators as nothing but frauds and charlatans. Because unless the public knows... What to look out for, they're going to be duped before they get to the real people like yourself.
3: It happens all the time and it makes the world a very interesting place. and mm-hmm. I think because when people are looking for people who do healings or mm-hmm. psychic readings or you know they're they're usually in a vulnerable place. most people don't call me on a when they're having a really good day and want a reading. People usually have some kind of a crisis or yeah. conflict, and they're, they, you know, they're looking for someone to give them a little guidance or some insight to help them through it. So usually when people come to people like myself, they have a need, and mm-hmm. there are people who manipulate people and take advantage of people when they have needs. So but, I think it's really good. But that, isn't,
2: but that isn't it in this case, because I've got to take my break, Cooch. Exonation. Nation, oh, okay. if you would like to contact a real honest-to-goodness person who cares for you, who does a lot to make people happy and helps a lot of people behind the scenes, contact my friend Cooch Daniels. Here's her website, www.cybermystic.com. That's www.cybermystic.com. And Cooch and I will return on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, around the world on the X-Zone broadcast network, including across Europe on Radio X.
0: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media,
4: If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder, Sandra Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, Sacred International Journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, StarWalkerVisions.com.
2: Welcome back. Cooch Daniels is my special guest, www.cybermystic.com. And and you know what? Since last time you and I talked, this world has gotten a little bit more wanky than it usually is, and that's pretty bad. Uh, as a psychic, what are you picking up in the world as far as energy, shift of energy? Are, are we going to get some stabilization?
3: It might be a time when people are just really being rattled to their bones Mm. because there's an acceleration of darkness, and when there's an acceleration of darkness, the light has to counteract that because there's a polarity, and when there's a shift towards more craziness or things that are upsetting and more suffering or more war... The panic mode sets in, and people start looking at what can they do to protect themselves, protect their families, and they work twice as hard to bring about improvement. So there's a little bit of a balancing that happens naturally, Mm -hmm. but it's not really fun to look at when the darkness becomes so strong. It's kind of like a dark storm. When we look at a dark storm, it feels a little threatening.
2: Yes, it's always darkest before the dawn. Yes. Yeah. Coach what set you on your on your quest on your crusade to doing what you're doing?
3: I think I just came into the world this way because I started doing readings mm-hmm. in front of Ghirardelli Square and- San Francisco. When I was about twenty-one, and I would just sit on the steps, and that was my initiation into the world of becoming a reader. I would just do one reading after another. So, so let me understand this. Doing
2: that. So, let me understand this. You started doing readings in San Francisco three years ago. Okay, go on.
3: Yeah, right. Because I'm only twenty-five now. Uh, that's right. Yeah. hmm Go on. Well, and <laughs> it just kind of, and oh, you're going to love this, Rob. When I, when I was. In my, when I was 21, mm-hmm. and this is going to date myself, there was a, I went to Afghanistan before the Russian War, because wow. I, I loved mysticism, mm-hmm. and I wanted to study palmistry in India, and try to find out what I could about mystics, and so I went on a mystic quest when I was very, very young, and I wound up working in an opium den in uh, Kabul, where I sat at the front of the door, and as people went in and went out, I would offer them readings. So I had my training in an opium den, to be honest.
2: Well, then you came back to the
3: States, (laughs) and? Pardon me?
2: I said, and?
3: And so that's kind of like, I I don't know, you know, I just had I've had so many experiences that always, I always would try to become a normal person. I went to school to become a psychologist, and I got my degree, and I was trying to be a psychologist, and I kept going back to becoming uh, to doing readings. But what is normal, coach? I'll I'll just throw this in because it's really funny. My shift on a halfway house where I was working in a uh, a teen halfway house for troubled kids, and they were one of my sixteen-year-olds jumped out of the window in the middle of the night, and then I had to deal with that, which was really rough because you have to like fill out hundreds of papers and talk with police, but. She managed to come back about a month later on my same graveyard shift, and it, she had escaped and moved in with her boyfriend, and was making a dollar more an hour working at a, a, a consignment shop than I was making after I had my MA in psychology. And I was so annoyed that I went, "Wait a minute! I'm making enough money doing readings. Why am I sitting here for like minimum wage, waiting to to climb the, the ladder?" And it was just like the universe kept saying, "Okay, look, you can do readings. Go do readings." And pretty soon I was just doing readings all the time.
2: But how do we say anything is normal these days, Cooch? What is normality?
3: Uh, normality shifts with each second. Normality is when you can breathe and relax and enjoy being in your body mm-hmm. and know that it's, everything's changing at any moment and you have to have a really strong inner core to be able to like, feel the normalcy instead of panic attacks.
2: Why do you think so many t- people today, Kuchar, are looking for that spiritual connection, the answers that they've never thought before in their lives?
3: I think it's because of what we, we've just been talking about. Life is really, uh, has a lot of really... We're all bombarded with negative news 24-7. Mm-hmm. We turn on the computer. There's negative news headlines. We turn on television. There's negative news. We go to movies or watch television, and we're watching murder and mayhem. And people need to find something that makes them feel safe and makes them want to have hope and optimism instead of that they're going to be living in fear. And when you're on a spiritual path or you're trying to find something that will heal your soul, you start looking for what creates meaning that makes you feel good and empowered instead of making you feel like your life is being threatened.
2: How do you help people unlock... The best that they can be
3: we can only offer keys Mm -hmm. but everybody has to unlock that for themselves so the keys that I offer people are positivity optimism uh, inspirational words if I have them things that might make a person feel hopeful And you work with alternatives because every person has a different path and has different preferences and different beliefs. So you have to work with each person individually for, you know, what can help that person and what might be valuable for them.
2: Do you use your psychology training when you're doing your readings?
3: Well, it helps. Mm -hmm. I think probably what has made me given me an advantage in a very competitive Bay Area environment because there's so many psychics and readers and some of them are really good and some of them are charlatans and some of them are beginners and some of them are pros but there's a competitive you know I want that job or you know that 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 could be me there I mean I've been told to get out of the way and let other readers have a turn because I mean, it it is competitive out there. But I think why I've been able to, to kind of like be riding this wave is because I do have a grounding in how does the mind work and how do we not insult intelligence when we're talking to people or how can we take one symbol that might have a universal meaning but because it's universal there's 20 million different people just in California that maybe has a different twist. On how to read a different view on how to read that symbol, but if you were reading cards, it's how does it relate to that person? Having a grounding in psychology has given me an advantage in maybe being able to see the complexity and how you have to be kind of on your toes to looking at different possibilities with different psyches.
2: Now, how every
3: person has a different reality?
2: uh, how, How explain that every person has a different reality?
3: well i'll I'll take something very basic. Okay. We all have a mother mm-hmm. and if we were playing with tarot cards, the Empress, the third major arcana card, is the symbol of the mother. And nurturing and uh, unconditional love, and she's kind of the ideal mother. If mm-hmm. she was, if the card was upside down, it could be the wacko mother who beats the child and oh. puts her in a puts the child in the closet and puts cigarette marks on their arms or something. But if she's upright, it's a positive. You know, she's like the ideal, perfect mom. Yeah. But if you walk through a room and you said, well, "Here's this card. It's about mom," and you ask twenty different people, "What is their?" Connection with mom or with the symbol of the mother, mm-hmm. everybody'd have a different view right. or a little bit of a different understanding of how a mother is in the world.
2: That's based on their perception and their own life experience.
3: Exactly. It's gotcha. their own personal associations and their own life experience. So every time we're talking about something, mm-hmm. a person comes to the table with their own set of beliefs and experiences. Which makes everything a little different because we're all different.
2: Yeah. So as you were saying, there are so many people out there in in San Francisco, for example, who do readings and so on. How does John Q. Public, who for the first time wants to go get a psychic reading, how do they know who to go to who will give them the reading that they're looking for and not the reading that the psychic wants to get them, and I'm talking about the psychic who doesn't have your morals and your ethics.
3: Well, you know, I read about people getting ripped off by charlatans all the time, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it, if a person has a little understanding, uh, most people don't just go to readers unless people say, oh yeah, it's safe, and you know, it, it can be really good, or you know, you want to do this. I think before people show up and knock on a psychic's door, they've had a little information to guide them there. And I would, you know, on some level it might be hit and miss, but usually people, unless they're drunk, it's it's just like walking into a tattoo parlor. You try to make sure your tattoo artist has some ability to draw before you go in and let them draw on your skin because it's permanent. And when we talk words with other people, they can have a permanent effect on a person. So... I think most people, they want to, they don't just go for a long reading where they're going to spend like an hour with a person and spend their hard-earned cash unless they get a little information. It doesn't always work because sometimes people get the wrong information, but I think there's a lot of screening that goes on.
2: So what you're saying is if you walk into a tattoo parlor and the tattooist has dark glasses on, has a white cane beside him, and a seeing eye dog, get the hell out of there in a hurry.
3: Yeah, that would be the best. Like run. <laughs>
2: um what has been the most touching reading without giving any specifics, because I, I know that you, you, you deal in a lot of confidentiality with you and your clients. Can you give us a, an idea about what the most pivoting reading that you've ever given anyone was?
3: Oh, you know, there's actually more than one. <laughs> and there's those on the positive side and those on the negative side. Let's, so let's, which let's send which the, kind are you interested let's, in? We've
2: got about two minutes left in this segment, so let's go with a positive one.
3: The most positive one is that I was in front of a, Ama, the Hugging Saint, Sri Amritanandamayi Ma, who's an internationally famous guru, and somebody, I was talking to somebody about being a palm reader, and she mm-hmm. let me read her palm. It was very pivoting because she's all about getting rid of ego, and there I was standing in front of her with my ego and trying to read a, a master who's like a very, it's, she's called the Satguru, Guru, like a mm-hmm. guru of gurus because she has so much wisdom. <laughs> I'm like, you know, kind of like the dorky little idiot trying to read a master's hand. That was probably one of my most pivoting readings.
2: Now, you see, that's not what I got from that example. You see, what I got from that example of birds of a feather flock together.
3: Oh, oh, you make my heart want to cry with happiness.
2: Well, that's how I see it. Cooch, stand by my dear you and I have to take our break at the bottom of this hour for the news. Exonation Cooch Daniels will return with me on the other side of this break. Don't forget Exonation that uh, coming soon to the small and large screens everywhere the Exone Broadcast Network TV channel. xedbntv.net, I think or .com. I'll have to get that from engineering later on. It'll we'll be giving you Twenty four seven three sixty five 365 paranormal broadcasting and parapsychology broadcasting just like we do here on the exxon radio show so cooch and i will be back if you'd like to contact cooch for a one-on-one consultation www.cybermystic.com that's www.cybermystic.com and we will be back after the news i'm rob mcconnell don't go away
4: There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and The Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net.
2: Butch Daniels is my special guest, www.cybermystic.com. Before we went to the break, you told us about one of your positive readings. Now, can you tell us about one that wasn't so good?
3: One of the readings that has always stood out for me was I was in a public event. I was actually reading at a Renaissance Fair. I've done readings for that fair, like thousands of readings over 25 years Mm -hmm. that I was reading for them. I'm dating myself a little because I've, but I've done so many readings, but one of them that was so negative stands out was a situation where I was, well, two of them stand out. One was reading a man who confessed to me of a murder, and as soon as I'm looking at him, trying to sort it out, what am I supposed to do with a man who's just told me he's murdered somebody? He just got up and disappeared in the crowd, and I stood up to try to find him, and he disappeared. He was, like, gone, and I'm, like, standing in shock going oh my God, what do I do? Another reading was child endangerment, where uh, someone was selling their child for sex. And I, you know, when you're young and the first time you hear something like that, you're in such disbelief. I didn't, you know, I was clueless. I'm I'm still hating myself after all these years for not just grabbing the child and calling the police in that moment. But when you first become aware of something Mm -hmm. and you're being told something, and I'm, trying to be an ethical reader and i'm supposed to have these codes of ethics where i don't, you know, broadcast what people's talking about or i don't tell other people what's going on and you know there's some things that i just carry like i'm heavy-hearted because i didn't respond correctly i didn't i didn't take advantage of what the situation and try to change it in that moment i didn't know what to do those readings haunt me <laughs> and they're horrible readings because like you're dealing with like the the the, the lowest vibration and the most painful suffering on the planet and uh, you know I, in some ways uh, you know i I, I'm, I try to think of good in everyone and see the good in everyone and then when you're when you're, you're inexperienced with the dark forces even mm-hmm. though i worked in a locked ward of a mental hospital and i should know better but <laughs> dealing in with the public with negative forces it's kind of those, those kind of readings were really negative
2: you know I fully understand what you are what you mean, and, and I can understand the way you feel, because being a policeman was the same thing. You know, you didn't go out expecting the worst of a person. You know, you knew that there were those who were out there, but you were there to serve and protect. And when I was a cop, I always treated people on the other side of the badge as I would want to be treated if I was in their shoes. And there were that's, those times where
3: that's what makes you so sweet, Rob.
2: oh thanks son i'm but this is me i'm i don't I don't put on airs i just you know my mother always used to tell me if it's good enough to think it's good enough to say, and then as I grew up into a uh, teenager, she used to tell me to shut up, so you know I'm still trying to figure that one up um, so you know it's I understand where you're coming from i I really do. And I'll, I'll share with you an experience that I, I very rarely share. You know how you, were, you felt after that that man came to you and admitted that he had killed someone? Yeah. And how you felt after... I'm
3: still carrying it. How many decades later, how many well, years later, I'm still uh, carrying, like, oh.
2: Okay, I was, I was doing radar in a school zone. And we used to have squealers on our radar machine, and what that is is a tape that comes out, and if the lieutenant or the officer of the day tells you that you have to give tickets over a certain speed limit, violations have to equal tickets. So I was doing this school zone, and there were three minutes left till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, you left that, uh, that area. Well, what, two minutes to 4, a car comes through, the radar you know, gives me an alert. The guy was doing 34 in a 30. We had to give tickets at 30 because it was a school zone.
3: Even for four miles over?
2: Yep. So anyway, I put the uh, flashers on, and I get out the vehicle, and I pull the guy over. And I go to over to his car, and he says, Hi, officer, a, a real nice guy. Real nice guy, and beside him is a uh, uh, young lady that he introduced me to as his wife. They had just moved into the area. He was unaware it was a school zone. He apologized and he said, all right, uh, here's my driver's license, registration and insurance. Uh, uh, Please give me the ticket. So I went back to the police car and I'm saying, I really don't want to give this guy a ticket, but I have to. I go, I give him the ticket and he thanks me so much for, you know, taking care of his community. Now he passes me and he's going north and my vehicle is facing north. I'm doing radar, anything coming north. That's the traffic I was targeting. I'm filling out the back of the ticket because just in case he decided to plead not guilty in court, I had my notes on the back of the ticket. A few minutes later, this car is coming down towards me, flashing its lights, honking its horn like crazy. And I said, whoa, whoa, what's the matter? He said, officer, you better get down there. There's a hell of an accident. I'm sure somebody's dead. Uh, I said, oh, wait a minute. Hold on here. There's been no traffic behind me, targeted. The only car that's gone by me is the car I just stopped. No! I had this feeling in, my, in, in me that I can never explain. I get to the intersection. Sure enough, there was the vehicle that I had stopped. He was dead. His wife is now a quadriplegic. The person who went through a stop sign and hit them sideways in a T-bone was a drunken lady. In her she was an elderly lady, totally drunk. I had to stay there for a number of hours, even though it was just on the line of our jurisdiction. I had to stay there, the fire department was there the whole bit. And I've been living with that.
3: I'm sorry. That's Don't so be. hard.
2: It's hard, but it's a fact of life, and I've been trying to understand why me. Why that time? Why four minutes? Why couldn't have he been somewhere else for another three minutes? I wouldn't have been there. Would he have been alive today? Would his wife not be a paraplegic? I don't know. You but it still plays very heavy.
3: It, it It's really heavy. It just makes one kind of just feel sad. And, you know, for you to have that experience and you're carrying that around for forever, it's mm-hmm. You know, how do we lighten that load so that you're not carrying that? And, you know, if I was doing a reading for you in this moment, I would be trying to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, to put a lot of love into that memory Mm -hmm. because you were given a, a job to do by not just your community and your paycheck, need for a paycheck, but you had a soul obligation that you had made a sole commitment to be there to facilitate what happened yeah. and it's beyond logical understanding and to just really try to put love into that memory so that it it doesn't feel so heavy
2: I, 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 because
3: you you did a good job you were doing yeah. what you were asked to do by the by the cosmos you were the cosmic guide for that for that process that those people went through
2: it taught me a lesson about life. A very valuable lesson that I've kept with me ever since. That life is short. Life is precious. And to, and to make every ounce and every second of this existence count and to be part of a solution and not part of a problem. Be the best person I can be to help other peoples to be the best they can be.
3: I would say that you gained an incredible incredible depth and incredible insight through going through and sifting through what you had to to witness and that you're really blessed that you're such a positive person.
2: I try. And you know that's all anyone can do is try their very best. Throughout my life, there have been failures, and I have never looked as a failure at the end of all being. I've always looked at a failure as a lesson in success. Yay! Because without failures, you can't be successful. I really believe that. Whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's at play, we all make mistakes, and the entire, the entire uh, goal, as I see it, of a mistake is to let you learn that lesson. Now, if you're dumb enough not to see it as a lesson, but the end of the world that you're going to give up, well, you know what? You'll never be successful, no matter what you try.
3: <laughs> but there's a saying, the road to success is paved with failures, that you have to keep going if you want to reach success.
2: That is so true. And I'm sure that you've realized that, too. And I'm sure that the people who, you seek, who seek your counsel also experience that, and I'm sure that you put them back on the road to uh, reality. And how many? I people? think my
3: real name should mm. be Hope, but I don't. You know, it's Cooch, but
2: Hope Cooch. <laughs> I try
3: to. I try my best to give Hope. That's. I think that's partly why I get repeat customers as well, because they feel hopeful by the time they leave me. Most and, of the time. I mean, I don't know for ever for everyone, but I and, think hope is hope and optimism make life. It, it gives you permission to wake up with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm.
2: Hope and honesty. You know, I was speaking to. Um, a guest earlier tonight and uh, we were talking about how a person feels when they tell the truth they feel good they feel happy and I was talking to another guest last week who was a psychiatrist and he said they've now found the happy gene that when somebody tells the truth the body releases the happy gene
3: just like when you go to the gym and you work out and all those endorphins get released and you feel ah.
2: You see, my idea, of, feel so good. my idea of going to the gym is the coffee shop that's next to it, and I just kind of look in the window and say, that's it, you guys just keep that up. Oh, I feel great. Okay, I'm going to go home and drink my coffee now. <laughs> and the ironic part is as my, my daughter and her husband own a gym, and uh, they've given me a, a, a family. A free pass that oh, you yeah. never
3: used? Yeah. Oh, God.
2: Yeah, and every time I look at them, they say, so, when's the last time you used it? I said, so, when's the last time you gave it to me?
3: You are too uh, too funny.
2: But what the heck, eh? I figure, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know like.
3: Well, you're looking really good. I mean, no, if thanks. your pictures are anything like the real thing, yep. uh, I think you know you're doing something right.
2: Well, I've got a, I've got a lot of things to thank for that. I've got six great kids, ten wonderful grandchildren, and a wonderful wife who's my best friend.
3: Wow, oh, that's that's the good life. You've got the good life.
2: It hasn't come easy. It hasn't come easy, but nothing worthwhile having does. I kind of do not understand these people who bo- who think that society or the world owes them for a living. It's like get off your high horse, you schmuck. You know,
3: entitlement. It's called mm. entitlement.
2: I call it stupidity. But oh, what the heck? Both. <laughs> well, something.
3: you're you're right, and you know, at a certain point, stupid. Mm-hmm. Ideas have to be tested, and they're they're t- with trial and error, and that's usually when wisdom kicks in.
2: And in the words of uh, Forrest Gump, "Stupid is as stupid does."
3: <laughs> hey, Ew. ooh,
2: yeah, you Ew. just ooh, Cooch, stand by, my dear friend. You and I have to take a uh, final break here. Exonation, the one and only Cooch Daniels is my special guest for a one-on-one consultation. And I believe Cooch And you will too once you have a one-on-one with her www.cybermystic.com That's www.cybermystic.com And Cooch and I return as we wrap up this hour Here in the X Zone From our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada Hey listen, a lot of you people have sent me emails About the music we used to play Well, keep listening to the show I've got a great surprise for you That we're going to start doing in the very near future right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away.
0: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network,
2: Welcome back, everyone. Cooch Daniels is our special guest, www.cybermystic.com. That's www.cybermystic.com. Cooch, let me ask you something. Um, uh, What what do you take when you watch Donald Trump? Uh, What intuitive uh, feelings or intuition do you pick up from the president and what he's saying, what he's doing?
3: I... Try not to use my psychic abilities when I'm doing politics or when I'm okay. watching politics because it's such a logical mess. I mean, it's just such a mess right in our country with yeah. all of the pros and cons and the, the outrages that are going on. And to try to use my my psychic insight on mm-hmm. that, it it just makes me, it just kind of like takes my insides and I, I'm I'm not... I don't want to do it because yeah. it upsets me.
2: All right, you, you live in California.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All All right, so California is traditionally a, a Democratic state, and with President yes, and
3: California and Trump don't like yeah. one another very much. So
2: how you know how is that negativity affecting the good people in California?
3: Oh my God! It's created this wave of disbelief and a mm-hmm. wave of uncertainty and insecurity, and uh, people. Came unglued when he became president we're all trying to regroup at this point and not take it in such a negative way but initially it just affected everyone on an emotional level you'd think it would be like just a logical reaction but it was an emotional uh just an emotional mess and people were just angry and upset and people were frustrated and it was it was really hard doing readings because I'd go out to do readings and people were discombobulated and it was all around the politics and people were acting out and being much weirder and much more ungrounded than normal.
2: Have you found... I'm I'm sorry, you're going... No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, Do you find that the people who come to see you for readings are asking different types of questions than they used to?
3: Ultimately, no. Because... People have families they're trying to protect. People have jobs they're trying to protect. People have futures they're trying to protect. That's pretty standard, and it always has been. I, I think people grunt and groan a lot more. And whenever they do bring up politics, it's not it's not a good thing. You know, people are very upset about what they're seeing environmentally. Their hope for their families, their grandkids, but the focus is still on love. Love is number one. It's just people can't help but wonder about their love life, their love lives, and being safe in their with their family. That's, that's you know, and their money, their career. Those are still the most important questions.
2: I've often wondered, apart
3: from Donald Trump, I, apart I, from the man.
2: I've often wondered what it would be like if the media, the mainstream media, did not cover all the negative things that they do. For example, when there were these these riots and these marches and these protests, if the media didn't cover them, I wonder if things would have gone as bad as they did. Because people love their five minutes of fame. And I wonder that if we took the spotlight off them, and if we took the spotlight off of, of all the political shenanigans that is going on these days, if things would not come back to normal at a greater speed.
3: Uh, That's a very optimistic thought. It seems like whenever we take our attention away from the political arena, Mm -hmm. things accelerate going down in the direction that we're trying not to go. So people are definitely fighting depression about the loss of our uh, environmental, our educational, our... Uh, just, there's so many things that are going backwards in our country right now compared to what seems to be the majority, what they would hope for their future. So people, I mean, that's one thing I have noticed in readings, that there's a lot of people that have depression in relation to politics and what's going on. So, I mean, it's definitely affecting wow. people. There's no doubt about it.
2: You know, I, I used to watch CNN. And I don't anymore because I was getting too too depressed first thing in the morning. Like, I usually get up around 5 o'clock in the morning, I have my coffee, and I'd sit down and I'd watch TV and I'd go over my, my itinerary for the day that my staff sends me overnight. I don't do that now. What I do is I get up still at 5 o'clock in the morning, I get my coffee and I get my itinerary and I turn on the comedy channel. And I start my day oh. off with a laugh.
3: You're giving your, your entire day a better start for sure. Yeah. And so many people are turning off television for that same reason. They can't watch the news anymore because they're getting sick from watching it.
2: Well, there's too much. So news you're not is,
3: alone. Right. You know, it's affecting us on these really deep, deep levels. Mm-hmm. And we, we, don't, we, you know, we don't have a lot of power to combat that, that, that negative wave of energy that's coming through the CNN or all those negative news blasts.
2: I think we start
3: I, feeling more helpless.
2: I think the media is going overboard, and, and this may sound strange coming from a guy in the media, but this is why I left mainstream media, and we went on our own because there was too there was too much behind the scenes that the listener, the viewer, and the reader just never could understand, and when the job of the station or the network is to manipulate listeners, viewers, or readers of newspapers into buying product, and they will sell that product at any cost, including their audience. That's when I knew it was time to get
3: out. Yeah, well, our government's selling uh, military uh, military spending and Mm -hmm. more budget for military and no budget for education and taking away, you know... Uh, rights for abortions and things. So, yeah, who wants to have that as their wake-up call in the morning?
2: Not this guy. I'd rather watch Moe, Larry, and Curly.
3: Yes! Much more fun. Yeah,
2: Violent, but fun. You know, it's funny, because when you watch the old cartoons like The Bugs Bunny, The Roadrunner... Uh,
3: I miss them. They're me- not on so much anymore.
2: Well, they are, but there's no more violence. Like, the coyote doesn't get crunched with an anvil anymore.
3: Like, that was funny. Oh.
2: You know, like, come on! I think we've become way too politically correct, way too politically correct. And you know, like, live and let live, right? So, what no. do you see? What do you see for the future, in, in general, using your intuitive ability?
3: Well, intuitive ability sometimes involves looking at the past to understand the present okay. to project what might happen in the future, right? And so if you, if you go back to ancient Rome, there were some really horrendous times, and Rome fell, yeah. you know? But look how beautiful Rome is at the present time. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Mm-hmm. It's It's got great things in it, including, you know, I mean, for the Catholics, it's like the center of wisdom. But, I mean, so things change over time, and we have to be optimistic that our lives are going in a good direction, even if everything is in a whirlpool looking like it's going down downward Mm -hmm. that we're actually moving forward and we have to be really strong in day-to-day reality making it the best it can be just like you were saying and which I really honor to make each day really count and live it to the fullest because the more you can put good energy into the world the better the world is going to be and if we each Played our part to bring more light to the planet, there will be more light on the planet.
2: I, I found it rather funny when the Pope was uh, was talking about uh, President Trump, and he says, "I disagree with a wall between two countries." And I and I looked at my producer and I said, "Wait a minute, isn't there a wall around the Vatican?"
3: <laughs> <laughs> but they let for a charge.
2: Well, yeah, but you can't sneak in. You get arrested. Uh Huh?
3: Well, that that might be, but I'm sure there's lots of spies that sneak in. I mean, it's just, you know, you have to figure out, I mean, somebody's going to get in somewhere. It's just what people do. If there's a fence, a fence is meant to be climbed over. The challenge, the excitement of getting over that fence. And talking about fences, do you know how many huge machines they have in Mexico to dig huge tunnels under the ground? Mexico, all over Mexico, it's famous for its underground tunnels. Well, honey, that's called irrigation. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's way more than irrigation. It's like there's there's underground tunnels under cities all over the place in Mexico, and already going... Coming into the United States, there's underground tunnels. What sure. is you thinking, that they're going to stop building tunnels? I mean, this wall is totally ridiculous. Oh, that's my point of view. That's my personal right. point of view is like, hey, for all the money we're spending on building fences, there's so many people that are going to have jobs digging tunnels.
2: Well, you know what? Instead of worrying about the little things, I think, just like here in Canada, take care of the sick, take care of the hungry, help the people who need the help help with a better educational system, help with the homing situation, and then you can worry about everything else. But until that's done, take care of what's going on here. And I'm sure that if they did that, this would be a better world to live in 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 every respect.
3: I am with you 100%.
2: My dear friend, it's time when you and I must say so long. Cooch, thank you ever so much. (laughs) You're going to be back on. You're going to be back on. You're one of my favorite ladies. After all, you are number three.
3: I'm happy to be number three. It's my number.
2: (laughs) Cooch, take care of yourself. Let our listeners know how they can find out more about you, hon, and how they can contact you.
3: Uh, They can go to the website, cybermystic.com, and they've got lots of little links to how to connect with me there. And I tell everybody, I've just got a great book called Throw at a Crossroads that I just came out in November and one that just came out last week called Awakening the Chakras.
2: Well, you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to have you back on within the next two weeks to talk about those two books.
3: Oh, my God. Well, I love you, Rob, and thank you for having me on. It's always wonderful to talk with you. Cooch, take care of
2: yourself, sweetie. I love you, too, and I'll have our people contact you, and we'll get you booked within two weeks to talk about your two
3: books. Sweet. Take good care. You, too, honey. May your dreams come true.
2: Hey, they have. I've got a friend like you. (laughs) Oh. Exo Nation, my guest this hour has been Cooch Daniels, and Cooch will be back within two weeks to tell us about her new books. But until then, visit her online at www.cybermystic.com. I am Rob McConnell. This is the Exon Don't go away. We'll be back after the news.